What's up, everybody? This is Sam Taggart with the DDD Podcast, and we are here at DDDCon, and I have an epic guest today, Mr. Tom Bilyeu himself. He just got done speaking on the main stage, and it was unbelievable. Like, honestly, I was blown away. I've seen a lot of great speakers, but by far one of my top speakers I've ever seen. Thank so you, man. That's awesome. It and means uh, a lot. I appreciate you taking a second to get on the show, man. Yeah, is, I'm excited cool. to be here. Um, so, founder of Quest, sold it for over a billion dollars. Uh, also, Impact Theory gets, he's over had over a half a billion downloads, which is unbelievable. He gets millions and millions of downloads, one of the top podcasts in the, in the world. And you've interviewed some of the greatest minds. I'm sure that's probably one of their, your favorite, I don't know, like. It's amazing. You get to just meet Very cool fortunate. people. Yeah, yeah. So you have an expansive network. That's gotta be kind of cool. So let's talk about that for a second. Like, having a network like you do, what has that done as far as opening up doors? How has that helped you learn? Why is it important to have like a big network and how has that helped you in your life? Well, so what's interesting is I've really come to the power of having a network very late in my life. It is not a skill that I have naturally at all. My wife is much better. Um, but ultimately, you end up doing business with people that you like and that you trust. And so as you're building relationships over time, they just end up becoming these incredible deals that expands your reach and expand what, it, especially now, the universe I'm in in media, expand the um, kind of attention that you can get for your project, the different um, directions that you can take something. So as we build out the game portion of what we're doing now and being able to collaborate with other game developers because we know each other and trust each other, like that kind of thing goes a long way. And so it goes from this thing doesn't exist to now this whole like thing that we're doing. We have an upcoming partnership uh, that unfortunately I can't announce yet, but dude, it's with, I mean, the, the person is just unbelievably famous. And to have gotten into that world and gotten to know their team because they've unfortunately passed away, but uh, to get to know their team and all that, it's, it's really pretty extraordinary and was born not just of like business mathematics, but born of like human connection. And so that kind of stuff magnifies out a thousandfold. Really? So when you got started, so obviously you started Quest in your living room. What were yes. some of the entrepreneurial advice today that you wish you could have given yourself back then, knowing what you know now? Okay, so one, when you're building something that you don't know your way around, rather than trying to figure out everything yourself, there are a lot of people out there that already know this, and you can actually save a lot of money by paying some money up front to get somebody who can come in and tell you what all the pitfalls are. Yeah. So when I was starting Impact Theory, what I did was taking that lesson from Quest, I uh, started hiring people to tell me why I was going to fail. And so uh, we were getting into comics as a great example, and I was like, okay, most people go to um, somebody that's been there, done that, they're ahead of them, and they say, okay, what do I need to do to be successful? And I started asking people a different question, which is why am I gonna fail? Now, the reason I wanted to ask that was one, I wanted to give them permission to be negative so that they would tell me like, here are all the real things that are coming for you because it's gonna be that unknown unknown that I didn't know anything about, I wasn't prepared for, and don't know how to handle. So getting people to go, oh, okay, here are the landmines you're probably not expecting. That was enlightening and literally shaved years off of our learning curve. So that would be a big one. And then hiring the right people. So any company is gonna start in what I call the hustler phase, but then you need to move into the professional management phase as quickly as you can. 
And so as you move into that professional management phase, don't hire low and layer, hire like the highest person you can that's still willing to do work because you're obviously gonna be a lean team, but get that real expertise in there that can deliver real results. I love that. So I'm coming out of the book called The Self-Experience and after just hearing you kind of jam on just coming out, breaking out of your matrix or changing your frame, how do you help somebody that maybe is stuck in their own frame or their box? And how would somebody go about kind of expanding that horizon or box? And talk to us a little bit about kind of that concept of your frames. Yeah, so one, you have to recognize that we all have a frame of reference and none of them are objectively true. So the way I always tell people is your frame of reference is like a funhouse mirror that's been completely warped through your experiences, your successes, your failures, your trauma, the things that you believe, the house you grew up in, the country you grew up in, what your culture was like, all of that is, is silently and invisibly creating a warped lens through which you view, view the entire world and yourself. It's the things you believe are true and possible about the world, things you believe are true and possible for yourself. And so all of these influence, not even influence, they dictate how you think and act. And so if you agree that your life is an exact reflection of your choices and that to make, uh, to get a different result, you need to make different choices, you need to understand that frame of reference is what's making you make those choices. Yeah. And so you're going to have to change the frame of reference. So one, become aware of it. And then two, you have to have a metric by which you judge. Well, how do I know if none of this is real, how do I decide which way to warp my mirror? Yes. And what I tell people is you're trying to get as close to a proxy. They're always going to be proxies, but you're trying to get as close to a unbreakable proxy for reality. So the test for that is you should be able to predict the outcome of your behaviors. So if I act this way, I will get this result. If I do this thing, I will get this result. So this is where we get into the, what I call the physics of progress, where it's the, basically the scientific method recontextualized for business. If there's anything that you don't know how to do in your life, you need to come up with a hypothesis, which is just your best guess. Yeah. Ma, I have a gut instinct that this is what I should do to make progress. Try it. And so you take your hypothesis, you turn it into something that you can do. It's gonna fail to some degree. You, you have a metric that you were gonna judge success by. You look, did I get that metric or not? Did I get at least a little bit closer? Or no, did I actually move farther away from this? Analyze that with, without trying to soothe yourself or make you, yourself feel smart. Just, it failed, why'd it fail? What can I do differently? that what can I do differently informs your next hypothesis. And so now you're a little bit smarter because you've done this once, you know a little bit more. Yeah. So now hopefully you make a little bit more progress, but again, it's gonna fail to some degree. You look at that, you assess, you reformulate and you keep going. And if you live in that loop, you will make progress. I love that. And it's like life is about just progressing. It's like our, just our journey, where we are on this progress. And it's like this, you know, we always say it's not about the destination, it's the journey, right? And it's like, being able to find, I call it the is line. You call it that most almost accurate proxy. Like mm. you said, like your truth of if then. Love this. I love this. I could jam and on so this. so if you do that a lot, what you're finding is as you're getting more, you're making that progress, what you're doing is getting closer to interacting with the world in the way that it actually is. And so yes. you're getting closer to that bedrock truth. And if you're using that to upgrade your your frame of reference, now your frame of reference is getting more useful over time. And so whether it's that you're removing warps from the mirror and seeing something that's more objectively true, or you're just warping it in a way 
that is more useful in its abstraction, great, it doesn't matter. But you're creating a frame of reference that's more, it allows you to more accurately predict what's going to work. Yeah, it's almost like you see these kids or, or business owners, it's almost like, man, they just drink their own Kool-Aid so much yeah. that you're like, I think he really just believes, like, you know, he's warped his frame of reference so strong. Well, now here's the question. That it all of a sudden, it like creates this craziness. But ask the question, why do those kids go a long way? Because you and I both pictured somebody. Yeah, yeah. They're that go-getter, sharp kid. They're leading a lot of people. People are following them. So he's on to something that's real and that works, which yeah. is if you have enough clarity and conviction, it will intoxicate other people. They yes. will follow you. People hunger for that kind of clarity. So he tells himself a story. Yeah. This goes back to the idea that emotions make dots feel like they connect that don't actually connect. Mm. So he tells himself a story. It's an emotional story. It gets people excited, gets him excited. It feels like it's all gonna work out, but what he doesn't know is that he's having a biological experience. Yes. That emotions are going to actually to give him the ability to move forward, they're gonna trick him into thinking that he's actually got this all mapped out, and he doesn't. Now that's fine if when he encounters where his prediction breaks, he goes, oh, that's right, I have a frame of reference, it's not objectively true, I need to refine my frame of reference so that now I can move forward. But what happens is, he's got so much personal capital, come on guys, this is gonna be right, trust me, believe in me, follow me, it breaks, now he's incentivized to lie, to yeah. cover it up. And the problem is it'll work for a while, You'll be able to continue to get people you know, believing and following, but it won't work in the marketplace. Yes. And so now the business doesn't take off and it fails. And it failed not because he was wrong. We're all gonna be wrong. We're all gonna be wrong a lot. It failed because he was taking pride in being right instead of identifying the right answer. Yes. And if he made that one little switch, it would be, hey guys, here it is. This is the system. We're gonna go, go, go. Trust me, believe in me, this is everything. And then it failed. And then yeah. people go, hey, Sam, I believed in you. What the hell? And then you say, no, what you believed in is my eternal willingness to figure out when I'm wrong and to correct course. And that yes. you can always believe in. And so then it's like, and now this is the next thing. And look, we got close. It just wasn't close enough. This next thing, next thing is going to get us even closer. But guys, it's going to fail to some degree. But trust me, I'll always adjust when I'm wrong. And now people can really believe in you. You can run the physics of progress over and over and over. And you'll make progress on a long enough timeline. And it kind of takes away that anxiety of need to be perfectionist, need to be right all the time, because it's like there's this pressure that it's like if I mess up, then how would I look? Versus assume you're gonna fail yep. and just commit to the adaptation after failure that you're gonna keep adjusting A-B testing until this thing gets super sharp, 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 right? 100%. Like, love that. Okay, I wanna shift gears a little bit. I've watched you and your wife and your guys' journey and it's something that gives me so much joy. Um, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have this belief system, like you said up there, you're like, how many billionaires have to commit suicide for us to get it, right? And it's like, for somebody that's ran multiple massive companies and had an awesome, deep relationship, you can just tell that you guys have just a spark, or at least from the outside. But no, I no, also can probably tell that you've had fights, you've had moments of, of down. Of course. I guarantee there's been friction. No but doubt. But I think a lot of people have this belief of, I can either have business or have a happy family versus the and. So talk to us a little bit about some best practices you've implemented into your relationship that yeah, has so helped. We have best practices. That's like the most important thing. Cool. So my wife and I have rules of engagement. We have rules around how we act, how we handle certain situations. We have a shared set of values. We know what order things should be done in. We're also building the business together, so that helps a lot. 
but we do things like define words. So if you go your whole marriage, and to you, when you say this is important, it means stop whatever you're doing. Pay attention to this. But when your wife says this is important, what it means is like, oh, hey, like this is one of the things I've been thinking about. And so now you guys keep colliding because you're saying, hey, this is important, meaning stop whatever you're doing. And she hears, hey, this is one of the things I've been thinking about. So we had to stop and say, hey, one, don't ever abuse it. So you should say something's important very rarely. I really am into this or, you know, I'm thinking about this heavily. What we say is meaningful. This is meaningful to me. So we'll say, I'm not gonna say it's important. This is meaningful. Yeah, yeah. So don't stop whatever you're doing, but like, hey, this really would be cool if you could help. But if you can't, just let me know, and now I know, and I'll move forward. But if I say it's important, literally, only one, I mean the word literally as in literally, not the way we normally use it, yeah. meaning figuratively. Yes. But literally, there's only been one time in my entire 20-year marriage where my wife said, this is important to me, and I said the exact opposite is important to me, and therefore I cannot give you what you want. So. We only use the word important, I don't know, once or twice a month. I mean, at yeah, yeah. most, so it's really rare. And then, yeah, like I said, only one time have we both needed exactly opposing things in the exact same moment. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty winning thing. But we do that with a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I think it's like, I love that. Rules of engagement and best practices, like yeah. outlining that out and saying, don't abuse this. Yeah. Because... It means this. Like I, I always say, content communicate. Say exactly what you want, not what, like, don't try to make me read in between the lines. Or yeah. Read, you know, like. Lisa like, and I say the same thing. Yeah. We're not mind readers. Yeah, I'm not. And we talk about giving each other the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. So it's like, in, in those emotionally sober moments where you're really getting along, there's no negativity, you're totally receptive to each other. It's like, hey, the next time I upset you, man, it would be so cool if you did X, Y, Z so that I could instantly see your point or, or vice versa. Or if you upset me, this it'd be, I'm just looking for this. Yes. Like if you could give me that, that would be amazing. And so it's, it's that thing, what would the other person need to do to help you deescalate immediately? And so having those conversations in those emotionally sober moments where you feel really connected, that's where you come up with your standard operating procedures. Love that. So last couple of questions. And guys, if you're getting value out of this, leave something in the comments. Tom is a freaking awesome. Go follow Impact Theory. Tom is unbelievable. And this has already been an unbelievable podcast. Um, real quick, just rapid fire kind of questions. Yeah. Favorite guest you've had on podcast? David Goggins. David Goggins. Okay, cool. Um, second question. If you were to shut everything down and you just get to restart everything, because sometimes we build our own little prisons, right? It's like, damn, I've shut down this cell and I can't just like stop. What would you do different or would you be doing exactly what you're doing today? I'd be doing the same thing, but I would have done um, NFTs differently. Okay. So that is uh, the thing I'm most passionate about, the thing that I think is really the future. But when we were doing it, back a year ago when it launched, the what everybody was thinking of them as, I think is off of what they need to be in the future. Okay. Uh, and so the easiest way I will sum it up is no roadmap. As, as my community knows, I will never do another roadmap again. Uh, and that's nobody's fault but my own, entirely mm. me, all on me. Um, we've now fixed the problem, but it, it took eight months of 120 hour weeks. Uh, so very easy now when people are like, what's a mistake that you've made? That would be a mistake. Uh, top three most recommended books. Ooh, 
for what? So let's go like your deep break the matrix, kind of more interpersonal okay. books. Mindset, absolutely critical. Extreme Ownership by Jocko, Jocko. Willink. And then this one's gonna seem like uh, a plug, but I really believe in this book, which is Radical Confidence by my wife, Lisa. And that book really is the impact theory ethos. It was the thing that allowed us to do Quest. It's this mindset of, I don't know it today, but I can figure it out. I like and that. so that's her whole idea of radical confidence. I can learn this. And I mean, you heard me on stage, that's my whole thing. It's like, humans are designed to get better. You may not be good at it today, but you can get good at it. Yeah. And when you do that, you can change your entire life. And if you stack that with mindset and extreme ownership, that's you're solid, in business. Solid little trilogy yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and last little thing, and I don't know if you're open to sharing this, but privately you were like, I have a bigger mission, which is we're 94 years behind, but yeah. this whole future of your media, Disney, are you open to sharing oh, kind yeah, of a yeah, bigger yeah. mission? Uh, okay, cool. Ask away. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my, my mission is to make sure that nobody gets to the age of 15 without encountering a growth mindset at scale through story. So we're trying to build the next Disney. That's what it looks like in real life. They have a 94 year head start uh, and they have billions of dollars in IP, billions of dollars in revenue. So it's, it is gonna be a tough nut to crack. I see it as a 70 year plan, uh, obviously multi-generational unless uh, David Sinclair solves aging for me, which would be amazing. Um, and yeah, I think that through games, through um, what I call borderless entertainment, which is what I think the blockchain brings to bear, which is why I'm so excited about that. And then through comics and books and TV and film. And we have uh, actively in development right now, and people should know there's a difference between production and development, yeah. but in development right now, uh, we have a slate of comic books, we have a feature film, a TV show, uh, and then in actual production, we have a video game uh, and uh, we have some comics that are actually in production as well. So we've got a lot. Most people, if they know me already, they almost certainly know me from the entrepreneur side, uh, but they don't realize that Impact Theory is designed to be a modern media studio yeah. of uh, very epic proportions. And so we're taking all the money that we made from selling Quest and building this new media company. That's awesome. It's so cool when you can make money matter. You know what I mean? Agreed. And like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they're just like, they just want to check the the box, millionaire, billionaire, you know, and, and it's like doing something with it and saying, how can we go impact, like you, your whole thing, the impact theory, like how can we go make a difference? And you know, my big mission coming on is expand, expand your life, expand your lives, your lead. And uh, I really do appreciate you being on the show and taking time to come all the way out here. And I know that it's a journey. I know it's time away from the fam. I know it's- Oh, it's dope, man. You know, I'm excited to do it. It's, I, I know our audience gets a lot of value, not just out of this and, and, the, and the speaking, but your, your Impact Theory podcast and the stuff you put out on YouTube. And I really do appreciate your time here. So Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it, guys. You guys heard it firsthand. Tom Bilio with the DDD Podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Uh -huh.